Welcome to Healthy Aging with South Coast Health, the podcast that shows you how to live a longer and healthier life, showcasing doctors, clinicians, and patient stories. The goal of South Coast Health is to help and inspire you to navigate your health journey with knowledge, comfort, and ease. Hello, everyone. I'm Patricia Raskin, and today our topic is weight management. And we are talking to Dr. Jessica Ingwood, MD. Dr. Ingwood is in practice at South Coast Health Weight Management Center in Fall River in Wareham, Massachusetts, where she specializes in obesity medicine. She's on the medical staff of Charlton Memorial Hospital. A 2004 graduate of the Pennsylvania State University College of Medicine, Dr. Inwood completed her residency at the Self Regional Healthcare Montgomery Center for Family Medicine in Greenwood, South Carolina, in 2007. Her special interests include non-surgical weight management, including prescription medications, personalized nutrition and exercise plans, behavior modification, and reversal and prevention of weight-related diseases. She is a member of the American Academy of Family Physicians and Massachusetts Medical Society. Dr. Inwood is certified by the American Board of Family Medicine and the American Board of Obesity Medicine. She will be joined by Rachel McKee, who is a medical weight management patient who is also a post-bariatric patient and one of our bariatric social workers here at South Coast Health. Welcome, Dr. Jessica Inwood, and welcome, Rachel. All right, Dr. Inwood, I'm going to start with you. And I think the first question is, talk about what obesity is. A lot of people throw that word around, oh, you're obese. But there is certainly a a clinical, this is a clinical term, and there's a number attached to it. So talk about that. Thank you. Uh, The World Health Organization defines obesity as an abnormal or excessive fat accumulation that presents a risk to health. Now, there are numbers attached to this diagnosis, um, and most systems use uh, BMI uh, criteria, body mass index criteria, for uh, diagnosing overweight and obesity. But the BMI is an imperfect measure. We can have a body mass index of 30 and be a bodybuilder, and we wouldn't necessarily call someone obese. And really, we should be looking at the whole person and body composition to assess whether someone is in a healthy weight range. Now, what we do at the Weight Loss Center is do individualized assessments um, using weight, waist circumference, hip circumference, body composition, and looking at someone's overall risk for obesity-related diseases such as diabetes, osteoarthritis, fatty liver, hypertension, heart disease, amongst 200 other diagnoses. So how much does heredity play a role here? Heredity plays a, a huge role in obesity and weight in general. But our food environment, our stressful lives, sleep patterns, our stress levels, everything plays a role in overall metabolic health. So we have to take the whole person into account. Why would you say there is so much obesity in our country right now? 
because our food supply is terrible. We are used to eating products, not natural whole foods. I like to say that if your food product has more than five ingredients in it and you can't pronounce any one of them, it's probably not really food. It's a man-made product. If you look at a food product and your great-grandmother wouldn't recognize it as food, it's not food. Um, there's nothing that looks like a cheese puff in nature. So we really shouldn't be eating that. We should be eating things that are from nature. So how does that tie in to dieting? Is that why many times diets don't work? Because we may be eating low calorie, but we're not eating real whole food? Absolutely. We need to eat quality food. It doesn't really make sense that a calorie is a calorie is a calorie, right? Um, 100 calories of gummy bears and 100 calories of salmon are completely different things. When you eat gummy bears, you get an insulin response to pull the sugar out of your blood. When you eat salmon, your body breaks down the salmon into the component proteins and healthy fats and uses those products to rebuild tissues in the body. So the calories aren't equivalent. They give a different hormonal response. How do you determine which nutritional program, even when you use other weight loss methods, but everyone's so different. We have gluten-free, we have dairy-free, we have the paleo diet, we have the Mediterranean diet. How do you assess that and determine what the client or the patient needs? Well, obviously, if somebody has a sensitivity to a certain food product like gluten or dairy, we're not going to recommend that they use those foods. But the general principles are eat real, whole, natural foods as much as possible. Stay away from ultra-processed foods that don't look like the original components that they're made out of, and reduce carbohydrates. The average American eats somewhere between 250 and 300 grams of carbohydrate a day. We at the Weight Loss Center recommend a lower carb nutrition plan, and that can be done dairy-free, egg-free, meat-free even, although we're not afraid of meat, and meat is a really good source of protein. So we try to prioritize protein so that people can keep their muscle strength, and rebuild their body tissues. So what is non-surgical medical weight management and what are the options available at South Coast? Yeah, so we work within the bariatric surgery department, but I'm not a surgeon, uh, never have been. I started out as a family doctor and um, I'm trained to prescribe medication that helps with hunger. Really, we're trying to manipulate hormones so that you're not hungry, so that you can follow a healthy nutrition plan, and the medications make it easier to follow the nutrition. But really, the food is where it's at. The food is how we manipulate the hormones so that you can not be hungry, feel satisfied, be nourished to uh, support your body tissues. Um, and not everybody who comes to us takes medication. Some people work closely with our dietitians and um, just change how they're eating to manipulate their own hormones through the proper nutrition. But I would say probably 80% or more of the patients who come to us, by the time they need a formal weight loss program, they also are looking to use medications as an adjunct therapy. Okay. Rachel, I want to ask you, Rachel McGee, 
you're a medical weight management patient, but you're also a bariatric patient, and you're one of the bariatric social workers at South Coast. Rachel, tell us how you began your weight loss journey. Okay, so my weight loss journey started when I was about five years old. I have been struggling with my weight for as long as I can remember, literally, Um, probably dating back to as early as five years old. And I had starved myself down to what was an acceptable weight several times in my lifetime. And that only ended up with me regaining all of the weight and then some. So I was 42 years old. I had a couple of very small children and I knew that I had to do something about my weight definitively. And I just could not see myself starving myself again. I knew that it wouldn't work. So I sought out weight loss surgery. This was 21 years ago. I was 42 years old at the time. And I had an open procedure, a traditional open procedure where they make an incision that goes from your sternum all the way down to your belly button. And I had a Roux-en-Y gastric bypass procedure. It was the best thing that I could have ever done. It was the most effective method that I've ever been able to access that allowed me to lose a large amount of weight fairly quickly, which is very motivating and then provided me with two permanent effects. One is a restriction in the amount of food that I can eat in any one sitting, and also the presence of something called the dumping syndrome, which is a very serious disincentive to the consumption of carbohydrate. That doesn't mean that people can't eat right through it or eat right around it. I certainly did during a couple of periods of time since I had my surgery. But I have been uh, able to benefit from the new science and the new knowledge that we have since Dr. Inwood has joined our team. Um, I've spent a lot of time and focus and energy on learning about this new science and unlearning about all of the things that we have believed were true about diet and human metabolism for the past 40-something years. Dr. Inwood, you don't do the bariatric surgery. You don't perform that. However, you work with patients who have had this procedure. When do you work with a patient where you say to them, I think this is your next step? I get referrals from the bariatric surgeons if someone has had surgery and had sluggish weight loss that is on a slower trajectory than they would expect. Um, I also work with post-surgical patients who may be several years out and for one reason or another have regained. Um, Some of the newer medications um, can really make an impact to get them closer to their post-operative lowest weight. Um, Some people have actually surpassed what their post-operative lowest weight was when they introduced medications. Um, And just like any job. You might need different tools for the job. We don't necessarily just use one tool. Um, Surgery is like the snowplow in a snowstorm. And then the medication might be a snowblower or a shovel, depending on how effective the medications are. And then diet can be anywhere from a, a snowplow to a spoon, depending on how you're using it. And that's not my analogy. I have, I have to credit um, other doctors in the field with that one, I believe it was Fatima Cody, uh, Stanford, that used that snowstorm analogy. <laughs> How do you know 
when you're working with a patient yourself that they may need the next step referral if you're not being referred by a bariatric surgeon. Do they come to you? Do they feel that it's time, as Rachel knew in her own heart after going through this? How does that process work? Because it's an intense process and it does change your entire life. We get self-referrals, patients just cold calling the office saying that they're motivated, they're ready. Um, It could be that they have a grandchild on the way, they want to be able to get down and play with them and keep up with them. We get calls that people um, have a disease that they're trying to reverse. So those are some motivators. We also get referrals from other doctors within our system and outside of our system if their healthcare system doesn't have a medical weight loss program. But the patients who do the best are the ones that have some kind of motivation from within, not the ones that are being told you have to do this. Why do you think that the other types of programs don't work? Meaning, I mean, Rachel went on diets and she lost and gained weight. Why don't these things work? Why do we need that next step of the bariatric surgery? Because traditional dieting doesn't take into account that hunger is a primal urge, right? If you're hungry, any plan that leaves you hungry is doomed to fail. That's why we really focus on suppressing hunger, whether it's with a high protein or moderate protein, lower carbohydrate nutrition plan that modifies how you release the hunger hormones, um, or with medication that suppresses hunger while you start to make these dietary changes. Rachel, your comments about this. But diets don't work because the premise of a diet is that a calorie is a calorie. You should eat less and move more. And if you don't succeed, it's your fault. And we know that a calorie is not a calorie because with uh, Dr. Inwood's example, obviously 100 calories of candy and 100 calories of high quality protein are completely different entities. And, you know, it, it doesn't take into account the, the ferociousness of hunger, um, which will always win because it must, because if it didn't, we wouldn't be alive as a species. We're just a species, one more species of uh, living organism on the planet. And there is a specific way that we as a species evolved and we evolved to eat the food that was in our environment, not, you know, the, the, 1,400 different varieties of so-called, you know, healthy whole grain cereal. It's nonsensical. Yeah, it's fascinating, really. Now, at South Coast, um, you have a Fresh Start weight loss program. Um, What types of providers are part of your team? And then talk about the program, Rachel or Dr. Inwood. So our Fresh Start program, um, that's, um, that stands for F, fits with your lifestyle, R, real food, E, energy you need, S, support and coaching from professionals, and then H, healthiest you. Um, We are a multimodal program. We have registered dietitians, licensed social workers, nurse practitioners, physician's assistants, and physicians um, who provide different aspects of the program. Usually at the first visit, you're meeting with a physician who does a weight history, assesses motivation and barriers to success in the past, 
um, and then brings in our coworkers when needed. Um, everyone gets offered these services. Um, not all insurance is covered, all of the services. So we try to fill in the gaps when you don't have coverage for dietitians or um, for social work. So it's a whole team. It's a whole team from dietitians to social work to the medical doctor. Oh, yeah. And also, Rachel, to your work. So, Rachel, explain your experience with the Fresh Start weight loss program. I've been working with the program since it was established, and I receive referrals from the medical doctors as well as the nurse practitioners who directly treat the patients. And they come to see me typically for a couple of different reasons. One might be that they really need bariatric surgery. It's just too hard and too much to expect that without that initial push, a person is going to be able to manage the degree of weight loss that they need in order to achieve their goals. Nothing about this is easy. Everything about this is hard. And every tool that you have available to you, I recommend that you take it because this is one of the things that's wrong about a diet is that a diet has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And this does not have an end. This is your life. This is the rest of your life. You have to manage what you eat and how you are in terms of your health for the rest of your life. And one of those tools can be weight loss surgery for someone who has you know, a very serious amount of weight to be lost. And then the other kind of patient that I get is sort of your average person who has some weight to lose, but has some kind of emotional or you know, habitual behavioral kind of issue that is preventing them from being able to get fully on board with the program. And the program is not easy to get on board with because everything that we've been taught uh, over the past you know, X number of decades has to be unlearned. And that's a slow process and a scary process for somebody who has been dealing with obesity because the thought of you know, eating bacon and butter and you know chicken with the skin on it is terrifying. So we have to do a lot of hand-holding with some of this. Dr. Inwood, what are some of the challenges you're finding that your patients are coming to you with in terms of adapting to a new lifestyle, whether they've had this, the bariatric surgery or not? What are some other ones that you see often? Well, there's such a stigma around weight that really isn't around so many other disease states. And if we start treating obesity like we would treat any other disease and treat it appropriately without making people feel ashamed, like they should be able to do this themselves, like they can manipulate their hormones just with their sheer willpower and really just have a, a soft place to, to fall and get back up again and realize that this is a disease and it, it should be treated as such. That takes some unlearning as well. I, people kick themselves for this. People who are very successful in all other aspects of their lives and can't understand why they can't get a hold of this one thing. Um, I actually love taking care of people who are successful in all the other ways and teaching them compassion for themselves. Um, so I think that that is the biggest thing is, is to be kind to yourself. 
What are some of the lifestyle adjustments and behavior modifications that you see? I'd love to know what what you're hearing a lot from your patients. Yeah, um, so there are pillars of health, right? We, we have to look at your nutrition, your exercise or movement, your sleep patterns, community and connection, and then overall stress. Um, so it may be overwhelming to try to take on all of those pillars all at once. I recommend starting with one and usually we start with food because that is the big lever that we have to pull. Um, reducing carbohydrates is a huge change for people because, it, I mean, think about a typical American breakfast. It's cereal or bagels or toast. And we've been told for so long, don't eat eggs. Well, eggs aren't dangerous. Eggs are our health food. So that's where most of our patients are putting most of their effort in. And you can't outrun the diet, so I encourage everyone to exercise. I love exercise, but if you have only so much bandwidth, you want to start with food. Rachel, as a bariatric social worker, how are you helping patients get through these hurdles that Dr. Inwood is mentioning? Well, one of the things that I do is I use myself as an example. I think the patients trust me. I hope that they trust me. I uh, yeah, I'm very authentic in terms of sharing my experience as a person with obesity. And I understand where they're coming from. Like sometimes I have to ask questions when I'm initially interviewing someone and I know the answer to every question because for the most part, we all do the same things. I know that the bewitching hour is after dinner around 10 o'clock. You know, I know that that happens. So one of the things that I like to help them to do is to get to know themselves. Um, most of our patients are women and most of our patients have spent their whole lives taking care of other people and they leave themselves last and getting them to acknowledge that some of them already know it by the time they come in, but some of them haven't really put two and two together with regard to that piece of it. So to get them to start paying attention to their inner thoughts, their motivations, to develop what I call the observational eye, where you can kind of step outside of yourself and notice yourself doing things like, oh, look at me, it's 10.04 and I'm opening my kitchen cabinet and I'm looking at things. Let me take a step back and figure out what's going on here because one thing I can tell you is I'm not hungry. So to learn the difference between actual physical hunger that requires nutrition versus some kind of something going on in our minds or in our hearts that we have developed into a food habit that doesn't serve us. That's a huge thing for people to learn how to do. Yeah, very good. So really um, what you're saying, and Dr. Inwood, what I'm hearing too, is it's very much the way you think. You're reprogramming the way you think along with all of this. Yes, we really encourage mindfulness and noticing patterns in our behavior. And it takes time and effort to change patterns. Um, and most people don't change it immediately with the first go. It might take several attempts, but every time you attempt to make a change, you have a better chance of it sticking. Just like with quitting smoking, very few people will just put down their cigarettes and quit forever on the first attempt. Bruce from Middletown, Rhode Island, was no stranger to pain. I kept hurting my back. 
Then I found out I have degenerative disc disease. From the age of 15 to the age of 35, I had 12 surgeries. I was in agony. And it was a three-year period where I deteriorated to the point that I couldn't stand up. And I wanted to give up. Then Bruce met with a neurosurgeon at South Coast Health. Very impressed with him, his honesty. And he told me what he was going to do. South Coast Health is nationally recognized for superior outcomes in spine surgery and neurosurgery. To find the right South Coast physician for you, call 844-744-5544 or go to southcoast.org. I can't tell you how much of a difference it's made in my life. Not to be in pain. It's phenomenal. Life is good. <laughs> South Coast Health, more than medicine. Dr. Inwood, we hear a lot in the news about a medical medication called Ozempic. Address that, please. Fantastic drug. These drugs manipulate hormones, right? This is the new way of addressing the disease of obesity. These GLP-1 receptor agonists started out as diabetes drugs. And this class of drugs has been around about 19 years. They're not new, um, but it's relatively new to use them for obesity and not necessarily just for type 2 diabetes. The Ozempic is not even the first one that's been used for weight loss. There's one called Saxenda that's been around about nine years um, and then there's another drug called Wegovi that is the same stuff that's in Ozempic, but marketed for non-diabetics, literally the same drug in two different pens. And then there's a newer drug called Mounjaro or Terzepatide that should get its FDA approval for weight loss by the end of the year and currently is just FDA approved for type 2 diabetes. Um, these drugs can help people lose 15 to 22% of their starting weight. Um, I had one amazing patient who lost 50% of her starting weight, going from 300 pounds to 150 pounds non-surgically with medications. Um, so great class of drugs, very effective. You have to use the tool appropriately and couple it with lifestyle changes for it to work. Um, and there is a risk of relapse if you stop any intervention. So these are forever drugs. If you go down the path of using medication, you plan to stay on the medication, even into maintenance. Your, your comments about this, Rachel, in terms of Ozempic and other medical weight management drugs. Yeah, I am on Ozempic and proud to say it. Uh, Ozempic has been the final piece of the puzzle that showed me a whole different picture that I never thought I would ever see. This is the first time in my life I've ever been at a normal BMI, ever. Even with the weight loss surgery, I was a good 40 to 50 pounds heavier than I am today at my best simply because I was still following the general advice of the food pyramid, consuming you know X number of carbohydrates a day. I was also knocking myself out with exercise to try and keep my weight down. So when you are a distance runner, you're told to carb load and eat a whole bunch of carbohydrates, which I would do. So it always kept me at a certain weight. And then when I was introduced to these medications, I, I said, well, you know, I'll try anything once. And I was amazed at how 
effective they are. Um, I started out on Sexenda as far as these GLP-1 drugs are concerned, and then I was moved to Ozempic. I'm currently on a 0.5 milligram maintenance dose of Ozempic weekly, and it works fabulously. But it's not the only thing that I do. What would you say is the most rewarding part of your job or your work as a bariatric social worker? Definitely the most rewarding part of my job is seeing the patients afterwards. Uh, I don't recognize them. I can see them a year after I've seen them. I can see them, you know, in the hallway. Sometimes I run into people out in public. And it's astonishing because I I sometimes will be able to tell that I know the person based on their eyes or their voice, but everything else is completely new. And just the light in their eyes and the way that they are. I mean, I know for myself that my affect, my state of mind, my mood, et cetera, before I had surgery and before I was able to lose the amount of fat and PS, that is the goal. The goal is to lose fat. That's what we're doing. We're, we're trying to maximize our body's ability to burn the fat that we're carrying around with us, that we've been carrying around with us from meals that we ate 10 to 20 years ago, because that's how long it takes for a fat cell to die. So Wow. Once you understand the mechanics of all of this, it becomes a whole lot easier to just accept what you have to do. And I think for myself, that has been the key, just to accept that this is what works. And anything other than this formula will lead me back to a place that I never want to revisit for the rest of my life. Thank, thank you, Rachel. I mean, very heartwarming, and I know you're helping so many people. Before we close, Dr. Inwood, why did you choose this field? Well, I practiced general family medicine for 11 years before switching over to obesity medicine. The cases that I had the most fun taking care of in family medicine were the um, the weight loss patients. When I got board certified in obesity medicine, I incorporated obesity care into my primary care practice and people's other diseases started to get better. Things that were supposed to be progressively worsening were improving and mental health was improving. This was actually getting to the core of so many other diseases. So when the opportunity came up and I got the call from our Dr. Kruger at the Weight Loss Center, um, who's now our CEO, and he said, hey, I need your special services, your special skills to help out and start a a weight management program, uh, a non-surgical weight management program. I jumped at the chance and it's actually been five years this month that I've been at the Weight Loss Center and I love every day. I love the non-scale victories. I think are the, the most fun. The people who can fit on the amusement park ride and they couldn't fit on it last year or they can get up off the floor now after playing with the grandkids. That's why I do what I do. It's wonderful. Closing thoughts from both of you. Rachel, what would you like to leave our listeners with today? I would want people to know that Obesity is a chronic medical condition and there's no cure for it, but there are viable treatments for it that are available to people and that there is hope 
You don't have to live a prisoner inside your own body. Um, every single, every single moment, every single, everything that I did when I weighed over 300 pounds was burdensome. And now I can, this is my third day off in a row. And this is my third day out digging my yard up and I feel great. I am not in pain. I don't feel exhausted. I can do things that I never thought I could have done. Even five years ago, even before Dr. Inwood came, I really believed that I had hit the zenith of my weight loss journey and that it was okay. It wasn't fantastic, but I kind of thought, all right, well, this is certainly a lot better than it had been, but it can be even better if you are willing to change what you eat fundamentally, to fundamentally develop curiosity about your diet habit, your diet pattern, how it never worked for you. And if you do it again the same way, it's going to not work for you again in the same way. Give the new science a chance. It's the science of 2023, not the science of 1953. We don't do anything the way that we used to do it in 1953. Why would we treat our bodies the same way that we were instructed to treat them back in the 50s and 60s? It's just not viable science anymore. Thank you. Dr. Inwood, what would you like to leave our listeners with? I think I'd like everyone to just know that if you are struggling with your weight, it is not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. I think people need to hear that because there's so much kicking yourself in self-blame. You've been told the wrong way to eat for so long. Look at different ways to eat. Look at getting back to real whole natural foods instead of buying products. Um, we're marketed to by food in the food industry to sell product. Um, well, there's, there aren't ads for broccoli and beef. You know, if we get back to the real natural food, um, you will feel better. And you don't have to do this alone. We have a whole team that's waiting here to help you. And um, please reach out if you need help. Thank you. Thank you both very much. Very enlightening and informational and inspirational. Thank you to Dr. Jessica Inwood. And thank you to Rachel Mickey. Bye for now, everyone. I'm Patricia Raskin. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Healthy Aging with South Coast Health. To subscribe to this podcast, visit www.southcoast.org forward slash healthy dash aging. While you are there, we want to hear from you. Please take the time to complete a quick survey so we can learn more about the topics for upcoming episodes that you are most interested in to live a healthy lifestyle. Thank you to our hosts, Patricia Raskin and South Coast Health. This podcast is brought to you by creative content developer Raskin Resources Productions and produced by Virtually You.